You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello, Duhawk. Sorry for the delay. The computer was a little slow today, but I am here. Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. It is a very exciting jam-packed show tonight. I am luckily able to go a little over tonight, so it will still be at least an hour, and I have a lot to get to. It's going to be an episode where if I don't get to everything, we will keep the theme going for Thursday's episode two, because there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about this week and the last week of my show, which will be after Thanksgiving break. So anyway, we're just going to jump right into it. So this is basically a best of 2019 special. So my picks for the best of the best in K-pop releases in 2019, and I'm not uh, the, the songs I'm going to play are all nominees for my big top 50 ranking of the best releases this year, but they're not in order. And they're all just nominees. I don't even know if I... they're Well, I know, but I'm not even going to tell you where they are in the selection yet, if they made it. So anyway, anyway so these it's just kind of a taste of what will come. And then in a, probably a future episode, and not this one, but we'll see, in the... In, at some point this semester, I will be uh, counting down my picks. Not all top 40, but I will sh- I will share the ranking with you all. And also, I'm going to be predicting and thinking about what the future of K-pop looks like, especially 2020 and, you know, in the future, but future years that are relatively close to now. So anyway, lots to get into. So let's just start right off the bat with some of the best releases from 2019. All right. And that w- those were two of my nominees for best in K-pop in 2019, uh, starting out with Sweet Chaos by Day6, followed by Tuxedo by Ravi. And those two examples are some of my examples for predictions I have about artists who could potentially make it big in the breaking through in the United States in 2020. And I I think Day Six will and not Ravi. So let me explain. So Day Six has already. I guess you could say made it in the United States. Um, they have done tours at theater venues, so not like arenas. But I do actually think. I don't know if they'll make it to arena status someday, but I do think they'll upgrade from theater status to whatever's between a theater and an arena status. Uh, I do think they will uh, gain a very significant, uh, just they'll have a big fandom growth this year. And the reason I say that is because they match kind of the current vibe that has been going on in the in the Western music scene. Um, because believe it or not, I still listen to Western music too. And so I've kind of just like keyed in on uh, and paid close attention to some trends in the Western music industry. And some of those trends we talked about uh, before, where a lot of it's kind of melancholy and uh, just kind of like low-key, like not super energetic music. Um, and But alongside that trend are other trends as well that are not like that at all. Like There is a variety on the radio now, even if some people think there's not. There is if you're really listening and paying close attention to the song creation. But anyway, so a a few other trends I've seemed to notice is that a lot of the pop music that is on the radio nowadays is like old school, like it's like 90s, early 2000s reminiscent pop. It's like dance pop. It's like Britney and uh like earlier madonna like i mean carly ray jepsen is not old but like uh 
that era of like you know those kind of artists who are very very pop in a very certain like old lady gaga classics like that kind of uh retro pop i don't know the right term for it but that vein of pop music seems to be coming back because uh, you've got ours now like Dua Lipa's music kind of reminds me that Ava Max is getting really big um, not just because she looks like Lady Gaga but she really does um, and yeah it just it, I feel like that's gonna make a comeback as all music uh, trends do come back around just like fashion trends or trends in any other uh, area of life so I see that coming back but in addition to that I see more of that so so the thing is like a lot of like the main trend from earlier decades that seems to be coming back is that kind of pop music but I also see coming back other trends from that decade then like it seems like there are a lot of uses of electronics and like synth noises that were big in like certain like 80s 90s bands music and day six seems to be incorporating a lot of that into their newer stuff uh there also sometimes is like just more going on more instrumentals and like different just different sounds and day six is really experimenting with that but this new album especially they've got like more like uh rock and roll vibes in there more like of an industrial sound but they also have the synths in there they're really like playing with a, a lot of genres and i think just like playing with genres right now uh in like kind of an homage to like past decades whether that's intentional or not that just seems to be an overall trend i see in music so anyway so i see day six as being very popular uh, and I think, you know, people who are hesitant to listen to music that's not in a language they speak, they're missing out. And I think a lot of the American public really would like Day6 if they gave him a chance. As for Ravi, uh, he's just, I don't think he'll get super popular in this country. Uh, he has, like, toured, like, smaller than theater venues here. So he's been here, but I don't think he'll gain popularity because he... I just his management just frankly doesn't <laughs> doesn't help much um but uh besides that uh but I do think he is following the trends like if he had the right promotion I could see him getting bigger here too because he also kind of has that vibe of uh lots of like electronic elements added to the creation of his music and it's just something about the way he like uses auto-tune but in a way that's like it's part of the is th his thing you know what I mean like it's it's not like you hear one song or like ew too much auto tune. It's just like that's how he's in. Like it's all like got that techno filter, and that seems to be really popular right now as well. So anyway, those are some thoughts I have about some artists that can make it big. But there are a lot of other reasons why there's some artists I see making it big in 2020, and others that I don't. Uh, so there are there are a lot of. There's one star that I do think will also make, before I move on to, my, to the next topic, I'll say that another star I definitely see is having a very big year in 2020 is Eric Nam. The one I've been talking about who, you know, uh, basically to become famous had to like go to Korea instead of like he, he was raised in Georgia, but you know, um, the U.S. is not exactly a fantastic at diversity in the media so but now that he's released his very first all english album which is really i mean it's really he seems very relieved because now that he gets to promote this full english album he gets to like just you know it's it's less to deal with 
like less emotional labor has to go into it because like what he did but what he's done before is he would have to write his music in english because he's just more comfortable writing in english so he writes songs in english but then he'd have to like partially translate them into korean when he was releasing k-pop stuff and i'm sure he still will he won't like get rid of uh his korean fan base but right now i think he's just focusing on uh the u.s so I, and I really hope that more artists like him can do that. You shouldn't have to go to Asia if you're Asian to, you know, be successful in the music industry. So it's an exciting precedent he's setting. And I do think his vibe is very much what you hear on the radio lately. It's fun fact, he works with Lauv a lot. So he's got the Lauv vibe. So if you like Lauv's music, you might like his. Lauv actually has worked with BTS too. He's worked with quite a few K-pop stars. So he's like genuinely into collaborating with them. So... If someone collaborates with Love, you can think, hey, if a K-pop group does, you can think, hey, maybe this is the start of them, you know, towing the line and seeing if they can break it in, uh, make it in America, break into the U.S. market. So anyway, I have some more thoughts about uh, who, not just who will do well here, but what I'm also wondering is, so we talked about the seven-year curse before, where a lot of K-pop groups have seven-year contracts, and after that, the groups are done. And there are a few groups that I have strong faith in that I do honestly think are going to stay together. I don't think that's just me hoping. I really genuinely believe it. So here are some examples of uh, songs from artists who I just, I, the bands they are a part of, I just see them lasting for a long time. And I'll go, I'll explain more after these songs. It's Okay by Dio from EXO. Followed by Want by Taman from Shiny, and that last one was Eclipse from Got7. Again, this is my best of 2019 episode, so those were some more nominees for you. Alright, so some more predictions I have for the world of K-pop. So first of all, we gotta talk about EXO. So, we, and we've discussed the seven-year curse, and the thing is that, you know, EXO debuted in 2011, and it's 2019 now so they've already broken the seven-year curse and my prediction is that they will totally stay together uh there i have uh, many uh reasons why i think that is part of it i just think is demand honestly because if a group is at such a peak they're less likely to disband for obvious reasons they've got the budget obviously they've got the publicity they've got the demand and they they really are they're called the you know the group of korea they're like the face of korea they are just they are and they sell out arenas globally as well and a lot of k-pop artists are getting so big they are filling up not necessarily arenas but they're filling up venues in the u.s but they are but exo fills up arenas so like there are you know they are next level even in the u.s so like imagine how next next level they're viewed in uh, Korea, it's like the Backstreet Boys in at their peak, maybe. I don't know what other comparison to make there. But anyway, so they are, and they genuinely seem to, uh, be, I think they're going to stay together longer as well because they are able to do their own solo projects. And they, you know, time apart is almost healthy, you know? And they really have staggered their military service. So, so like right now, uh, Dio is in the military. That was his goodbye song he dropped before he left. And Schumann is there as well now. And so, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it so there are there are not as many members promoting right now. But EXO is still you know keeping their name out there and also 
you know, it's just absence helps sometimes. You're living in a, a lot of these K-pop groups live in dorms together, so they probably get so sick of each other. So to have a few of them on, away on the required military enlistment time might actually help the group last longer. And so Taemin and Shiny is a good example of that too, because Shiny debuted in 2008. So yeah, they're they've been around for 11 years now, and they're still going strong. And I think it does help uh, when they get that time apart and uh you know right now actually Taman's the only one not in the military uh he's the baby of the group so but they're you know but he's uh he's still obviously you know very much keeping shiny alive like the group is continuing there's not it's not like they decided that they're done now um so yeah a little bit more about this a group that i think uh will not break up because of the military enlistment is BTS. And again, that is because of their global impact, which, you know, makes them less likely to, you know, ever, ever stop really or be motivated to stop. And also, you know, they genuinely like each other and that helps a lot too, obviously. And they also get all that creative freedom. Like they genuinely are still holding on to that passion they have for their work. But aside from all that, even... I, it's just the, we've, I mean, I, I spent a whole week talking about uh, the fandom and how they've created this cool fandom and how they, they've just like touched so many lives in such an immense way. There's just, it's so, uh, it's, it's so, it's like if you were close with a family member and then all of a sudden the next day you like never saw them again, it's like that wouldn't happen, you know, it's like, they just are ne- they just like are very personal and i don't see that ever changing with them so even if they stopped making music they'd still communicate with the fans online they'd still probably have like in person meetups to meet fans or things like that so i i just i'm very hopeful for them i will um just clarify so it's it's a little uh yeah so i'll just clarify um so in south korea if you are a man between the ages of 18 and 28 so you can be as young as 18 but up until age 28 you have to uh you know be join the military for two years and uh, you can do more but the requirement is two years women can join they're allowed to but they don't they aren't required to this has been in place since 1957, so it's been a very long-standing thing. There are very, very rare exceptions to this enlistment rule. Occasionally, they will cite a physical condition, and occasionally they will give you a reprieve for what they call financial hardships. But they mean, like, down-on-your-luck, dirt-poor financial hardships, not you have no spare change because you left it at home financial hardships. And so, but those exceptions are used very, very rarely, and not made on a dime those decisions are uh, you will have to wait a long time to decide if your request to defer your enlistment is accepted or not uh so uh the oldest member of bts sokjin is going to be 27 this year and so actually just next month and so he would have to enlist by age 28 so we still have a little bit of time and people are speculating if they think each member of bts will enlist at the same time or stagger it because a lot of groups stagger it but then again some groups like to all go away at once and then come back so the group isn't like ever incomplete um so we'll see about that the thing is actually in recent years this has been a big uh debate really so basically when seoul hosted the olympics in 1988 there was, uh, suddenly they started, like, allowing, there was this law that, you know, went into action or a rule, some guidelines, some 
some legislation went into effect after the 1988 Olympics that basically said there are certain high honors that are so high for representing South Korea that it basically replaces the honor you would serve us in the military. So your military exemption could come if you were one of those star Olympians that year. And so since then, it has been used for more athletes. I know, like, there's one soccer player, uh, I can't remember his name, but last just last year he won uh, some some big soccer. I'm not, I don't follow soccer, but there's a soccer player in South Korea who just got his military, like, deferral approved after they won this big championship in South Korea. And so the athletes are getting that exception, but there's just been a lot of debate in the government in recent years about if they should expand that rule. So they're thinking if we, and they're actually using BTS and referencing that group by name as an example of should we expand this to musicians and artists who also give great contributions to Korea? Because I mean, BTS really has financially helped korea's economy a lot not just from like tickets and merch sales and other things like that but the amount of tourism to korea to music video locations to the places that bts just recommend visiting and going on vacation to i mean the tourism amounts have just skyrocketed since bts's fame skyrocketed so they actually really have made some very huge positive shifts for south korean culture so you know if anyone would deserve the deferral i think it's them but obviously i'm biased and don't know the ins and outs of the rule but it is something to think about my prediction though is that they will not take the offer even if they are given it i don't even think they'll be giving it because like i said those deferrals are given so 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 rarely but also i do think that if you're if you grow up in a you know it's it's hard if you live in the united states i guess to fully to think about it the same way. But if you grow up in a different country where you're basically grew up with the mentality of at this certain age, I have to go do this. You kind of grow up like you learn to, you don't, it's not like something you fear or want to avoid or want to defer. It's like you're calling, it's viewing like, and if you're, if you grow up thinking something's your obligation to do one day, and then someone says, well, you can take the easy way out. You don't have to go you're still going to say, no, I want to go, right? And so I just think it's kind of just ingrained in your mind over time that this is your duty, so it seems weird to just, like, not do it. So I just feel like they're going to feel this obligation to do it, especially because of all the ways they talk about, you know, being very proud of where they're from. I just feel like they're going to do it. But we do have some time before they have to, so <laughs> savor that and don't worry about thinking about that too much. So... Those are some groups that I do think have lasting power because they genuinely like each other, they're successful, and uh, yeah, so those are some of the main groups there. There are some groups that I am not quite sure, and I worry I think they will try to break into the U.S. and it will not work, or it might, but I, I just, I'm very curious and I'm not sure about, and I'm going to explain why in, after I play a few songs, uh, so one of the uh, group group slash subgroups I gotta play is NCT and them I can see them doing well here uh, because they are well I'll, I'll explain after I play them so here's one of the NCT subunits all right and that was boom by NCT dream followed by sage by only one of and I've got more to say about both of those groups but first I've got a, I've got a, a 
of smorgasbord of random predictions for K-pop that I need to re- recap. So, uh, as I've said before in previous weeks, I think ATs is going to have a huge year. Uh, Day 6 will have a huge year. Ravi should, but I don't think he'll get it. Eric Nam will have a huge year. I talked about, I think, Shiny and XO will stay together. Um, I said, uh, got seven. I do think we'll stay together. Here's one of my big predictions that I haven't said yet. I think that got seven is going to be the next K-pop group or one of the next K-pop groups to get to perform on the Ellen show. I don't know why, but I have a good feeling that they're going to do that because they are so popular in the United States, even compared to Korea, which is interesting. And I'm not quite sure why, but they i do maybe you know i think part of it's just kind of their mannerisms and stuff they are like they are they reference a lot of you know movies and music from the united states so they clearly have like grown up with some of our culture so maybe like they adopt certain mannerisms and just are a certain way that really we find relatable and it resonates here in the u.s but it is interesting because actually all over the world there are certain random countries that seem to like suddenly or continents really that seem to really be be huge fans of a certain k-pop artist like i know card is in south america they're probably still there on their tour and they're huge in south america i don't i i don't know what it is really but something about their vibe really resonates in south america so it's just like that i mean all over the world there are some interesting like pockets of k-pop fans that really like gel with certain artist vibes so i think got seven has that vibe in the united states they can fill arenas on their own which is a big deal and so i just feel like it's odd they haven't been on ellen or something like that yet i mean because bts has monster x has super m has i really don't know if anyone else has not that not not since i've been a fan of k-pop so that's been a few years Anyway, so I just think they're going to be on Ellen soon, and if that happens, you can say Hope was right. So I get a good feeling about that. So I will also say that I'll have more to say about the Grammys later, but I will say that apparently the Grammy nominations leaked early. I didn't look at them, though, so I promise you I'm not just, like, saying this. I really am predicting the BTS will, like, be involved, be, like, obviously I know they're, like, appointed, like, official Grammy ambassadors now, but I just think they will, or people they've worked with will get some, I think their work will get nominations. I don't. I mean, unless they're not allowed to because they're on the board now, but I think they can still be nominated. But if that's the case, I think they're going to I think they're going to have a huge year at the Grammys. I'm just saying that. And uh, so those are some big predictions I have there. I also have to point out why that last group I played only one of is an example of some of the many groups I like but worry they will not break into the U.S. And here's why. It's not even about their sound or anything about them personally, actually. It's just about group saturation so first of all if we think about if your main question really is well is k-pop just a fad for a few years or is it going to stay so popular especially the u.s i will say it's going to stay so popular and it's not a trend this is a lifestyle it's not it's more than a passion but also because it is just growing and growing and shows no signs of stopping and i mean so k-con the K-pop convention that is worldwide, but has two stops in the USA every summer. It goes to New York and LA. Uh, KCON actually, they their cumulative, uh, their cumulative number of attendees, like over the years since this started in 2012, their cumulative number of attendees 
for KCON has officially surpassed 1 million since this past August in the L- at the after the LA KCON this year. So it's been it was like a slow build up at first, but now their cumulative amount of attendees over the years has been a million people. And they went from like performing at little stages to like the big KCON end of KCON concert being at Madison Square Garden and you know iconic venues like that. So I definitely don't think that's going to change. What I do think is going to change is or will need to change, honestly, is the fact that there are so many groups now. So this has not always been the case. The first few generations of K-pop, where they call, you know, first and second generation K-pop, and even third generation, because we're kind of entering what's called fourth generation K-pop. But the first two or three, uh, it was very much like maybe 10 new groups would debut a year. Like, across all the K-pop companies, little and small, or little, small companies and the bigger companies, all of those companies would debut, like, a total of, like, 10 groups a year. And it's gradually gotten to more and more. And so now it's, like, gosh, how many groups debuted this year? I mean, the number of girl groups this year is close to 30 that debuted. So it went from 10 overall to, like, at least 30 girl groups debuting and probably at least 30 boy groups then, and one or two co-ed groups usually. Well, not usually, but there are a few. So, I mean, the amount is just, if you think about how it's adding up every year, like, so many groups are debuting because they know now is, like, the moment, and some people in the industry probably do worry it's a fad and they want to, like, you know push the groups now instead of waiting and so that's uh, it's an example of why i think groups like only one of i just worry that they're not going to get big here because they're new and at some point i just wonder if people will just kind of like not be hardcore fans of new groups you know like they'll just reach the saturation point like i mean like I, I obviously love a lot of groups but i'm only a hardcore hardcore fan for a handful of groups and I can't become a hardcore fan of more groups. There's just not enough time and not in just like, I just don't have any, I, you know, your dedication can only be hardcore if it's selective, right? Otherwise it loses meaning to say you're a hardcore fan. And so like other new groups I'll check out. And if I really, really dig their music, I might become a hardcore fan, but you know, I'm less likely to, if I already have my groups, you know, I have my fandom identity. I don't need to seek out another fandom to join because I already feel like I'm in fandoms that I'm going to stick with and artists that I'm going to still be rooting for. So I just wonder if other people are that way too, because you know, if I'm feeling like I'm hitting saturation, (laughs) then probably a bunch of other K-pop fans are too. And so I think there will always be more K-pop groups and they will still be, don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm thinking like su- success is so relative that they'll still be successful. There still be there will always be new K-pop groups that sell out shows in the US whether they're at tiny little venues or big venues doesn't matter. They will they can come to the US and there will be a crowd here waiting for them. And I like to go to those shows still don't get me wrong. But I think it's not like all these new groups are going to continue to grow and do arena tours. I don't think like that's going to be a trend. Like a lot of K-pop groups may still like gain popularity here but they're not going to be a lot more that are like following in bts footsteps and xo footsteps and all of that and filling arenas if that makes sense because people already you know have their their being in fandoms is like such a strong part of your identity that it's it is like you know like i don't think other other people like there will always be groups that can come here because if they go to the smaller venues and they are, you know, they just, they, they do shows that are 
you know, cheaper and maybe easier to get to more or more in a special, smaller, intimate setting. Like think variables like that about smaller artists people really like. So there will always be a crowd willing to see them if they're into the genre, the industry, etc. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that like for I'm at the point after all these years of liking K-pop where instead of going to all those little shows for artists that kind of like, I would trade like five little shows for like one big special experience, like getting a good seat to see one of my favorites in an arena or something like that. Like I'd take a bigger show over someone I'm a hardcore fan of over going to a bunch of little shows. So I just think that trend will continue for other people too. And so the people who can fill arenas will continue to do so without any problems. But then the people who you know, do those other shows, I mean, they'll still get a crowd because like I said, there are things about that smaller atmosphere and the cheaper price and everything that people like. But, you know, it's just, I just, I guess what I'm ranting about and trying to say is that I think there's going to be a lot more picking and choosing for K-pop fans now that there are so, so, so many groups and they just keep releasing more groups and they only stay together for seven years usually. So I just think that it will be a lot more picking and choosing over time and so, you know, you can't go to every show. So it won't be the same over time if there are still so many new groups because people, you latch onto certain groups and feel like a, like their fandom suits you. So you're there and you won't be elsewhere. So I'm probably not explaining this well. I'm really thinking out loud about what I expect for the future because it's just so many groups. <laughs> I just don't know. I just think events like KCON will always be huge and liking a variety of groups will always be huge, but I just think there comes a point where people will have to say, wow, like, I don't have time to check out all this music. I'm just going to focus on supporting these groups and going to their shows. And so I think, like, fandoms might be a little more divided or just there will be less crossover over time. I don't know. It's just something to think about. And in general with the music industry, what trend that might lead to. So... Anyway, there is uh, a lot more I could have said about NCT that I don't really have the time for, but I do see them as doing pretty well in the U.S., but it is, uh, I guess, somewhat debatable still um, because they are just so unique. The whole NCT concept is so unique, and we've been through that before. Go back to episode two on YouTube if you need a refresher, but so there's that. So then again, what I was saying about only one of is that they are one of the groups that I think just will not stand out because it's the industry so saturated and... So it's going to be harder and harder for new groups to stand out because there's so much more competition. And especially with so many members, like the, these bigger groups are going to have just like a harder time with, uh, you know, they're having hardcore fans who know all their names and know all their parts of the songs and their quirks and all of that. So I just think groups like that, like uh, I also think SF9 won't get super popular here. There are other groups with so many members. Golden Child probably won't get super popular here. Momoland probably not. Groups with more members than the average of seven are, uh, I just think they're going to have a harder time breaking through, especially when like, you know, if there's so many, they're kind of like blending together in your head or they have super similar vibes and you just worry that they won't be able to distinguish themselves. That's why I think 80s is going to do so well because 80s is so unique and it has such a vibe that's classic 80s. They've like got their own genre going on. So anyway, a lot of rambling, a lot of speculation. Sorry if that was not interesting, but 
I think it's interesting to kind of think about which groups are resonating in the U.S. and which are not and possibly why. So I just think that's a thing. And I do think that also has to do with size because in the U.S. we're used to four or five member groups. So to have so many is also not something we adjust to super smoothly. I will say something that kind of goes against everything I just said, but <laughs> 17 is filling up arenas now. So this group 17, they, I really think think they will do well in the U.S. though. And here's why I think they are an exception. They are very, very well known for their choreography and the aesthetics of their music video. They're a very visual group and they are very in sync. They like have a mesmerizing stage presence and that's what makes them stand out. And it's also something that I think people will want again, because like I was saying before, people are cycling, you know, music trends are cycling. So probably performance trends will too. And so, you know, a lot of artists now, or it seems like less than usual, do choreographed dances. Like, it feels like that was a thing for 90s groups more. I could be wrong, but I'm just, it just, what it, it seems like. So it feels like a full circle come around for now, their groups like 17 are like bringing back what people might have missed about groups, you know, because they really put on quite a show. They don't just get up there and sing. They're, they're doing a lot, and there's a lot of visuals on stage, and they really just give people a unique concert experience. They really distinguish themselves and that's going to be more and more necessary as more and more groups form and more and more groups tour in America. They really have to work to like distinguish themselves, all these groups. And so 17 has just done that seamlessly. So that's why I think they'll continue to be popular here. All right, a little bit more to wrap up the show after I play one of the best 17 songs of 2019. All right, so there is a lot of news in the world of K-pop that I don't have tons of time to break down for you, so I will be doing a ton more news updates on Thursday. Uh, but a few quick things that I find interesting. BTS Love Yourself Tour numbers are finally in, and they have broken records once again, of course. So the Love Yourself Tour totals, we they sold 976,283 tickets, and for a total of $116.6 million. So an average per show was $5.8 million and 48,814 tickets sold. They've only been surpassed now by the Rolling Stones, Taylor Swift, and the Spice Girls in history. So they are just in fourth place for, you know, most seats and money sold from a tour. Uh, I also brought up before how there is... Uh, uh, this controversy with how it's actually illegal to rig reality TV shows in South Korea. So the person from Produce 101 is in big trouble for rigging the votes and choosing which singers won the competition show. So that's actually a crime there, which, you know, I feel like it shouldn't be everywhere, but anyway. And that actually is affecting the artists. So one of the groups that was made by one of these programs, they, they're called X1, they they were pulled out of a radio, sh or not a radio show, a live award show last minute that they were going to perform it. So they ended up with, uh, the audience looked like a third empty. I mean, a lot of people did not show up, um, probably because they came just for X1 and then they realized they weren't coming and they didn't show up. So it really is having an effect on these artists because when one person does something wrong in a lot of cultures, really, that are not so individual like we are in America, it really does have a, an effect on everyone they know. So, you know, guilt is coll a collective feeling more. And uh, resentment towards someone is a collective feeling. So this shame that this vote rigger brought to the company 
he also brought on to the groups that are related to his name. So these groups are also suffering from that. So a girl group from one of those programs, Eyes One, they also have been having issues. So their album release was canceled. Uh, like it was even like taken off Amazon listings and everything like officially, officially canceled. So it's really having a big effect on those artists. So uh, I'm not sure what their future is. They make, a, they're, they're very successful. So, it, but you know, believe it or not, money isn't everything. So, uh, in, so in the K-pop industry, they might just decide they're replaceable groups and we can still make the money with other groups and they don't want to have, cause not all press is good press there. So, uh, that will be interesting to see what becomes of that. There's a lot more I want to say. I will talk a lot about what's going on with Tracing and TS Entertainment, but that's a long story, and I will go into that more Thursday, as well as a lot more updates. So Thursday is going to be big, and instead of predictions, it's going to be more just kind of a look back at 2019. I'll be talking about some of the best music videos, the best album releases, and I will be giving the official ranking and countdown for best, I'm thinking... I won't get through top 20, but I might in a way. So the songs I've already played on the show, I'll skip. And the rest of the top 20 that you haven't heard yet, I'll probably play that or something like that. But I'm going to play the top of the top in a ranked order finally. And we'll get to number one. You'll see what my favorite song of 2019 is. It's very exciting. I already know what it is, but I'm not saying. But it's it's a very good list. I'm very proud of this list. I've thought about this a lot. So the big reveal will be Thursday as well as a lot of news updates. So uh, that that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And that it wasn't too rambling. Um, and, uh, you know, remember you can catch up on our YouTube for any episodes you want a refresher about. And I will see you Thursday. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great night.